being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good night. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. To the ghosts out in the hall, the paint peeling off the walls. Good night. Sometimes I stand between the sidewalk and the sky. And just stare into the clouds as they pass by You have to leave the ground to learn to fly You have to leave the ground to learn to fly That's the, those, are the, those are the words in that song that just... I think that's all about the show, The Catherine Zox Show. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show, your social worker with a microphone, VoiceAmericaVariety.com, World Talk Radio, and my co-host, Lauren Beller-Blake business coach and CEO of BigFishNation.com. How are you this morning, Lauren? Good morning, Catherine. I am doing well. Up yeah, so early here me, Okay, the Catherine Zock Show, what's it all about? Your social worker with a microphone. And I said, I think it's all about you have to learn, you have to leave the ground to learn to fly. Um, and I think that kind of like, don't you think it describes the whole show? And You and I both bring a different perspective to the show. You're the entrepreneur, I'm the social worker. But, I mean, it's all about taking risks. And, you know, the, the guests that we have on the show, it's in the context of different kinds of social issues that, that, um, that people struggle with, that they have to deal with. That, uh, um, and we, I think, along with the people who are the authors, the, the, the guests that we have on the show, um, I think the goal is, at the end of the show, you, the, the message is you have to leave the ground to learn to fly. I love that. And I yeah. think that also it's, I think people interpret that differently. In other words, for me it's about those subtle things we do differently, which are the hardest things in my mind. It's real easy to take a big, bold, you know, parachute jump, you know, and do that because we, that's different and big. But it's the harder thing is, to me, is the day-to-day, the day-to-day nuances and how we react to people. The day-to-day challenges. Yeah. Yeah. The day that we're faced with. Now, this, uh, the author we're going to have on this morning, she's a therapist in private practice in New York City, and her name is Dr. Sarah Sims Rosenthal. Her new book is The Unavailable Father. The Unavailable Father. This is what we're going to be talking about today. Seven Ways Women Can Understand, Heal, and Cope with a Broken Father-Daughter Relationship. And I know a lot of women who struggle with that. Now, I didn't struggle with that. And I had it's a little bit uh, different, I guess, way of looking at it. Because I'm going to tell you about my relationship with my father, and then I want to hear about yours. But my father was always there. He was so available. He was available emotionally. He was there to take care of me to the point where I, on some level, idolized him. Wow. Which was fun, and I emulated him. I learned he was a lawyer, he was a trial attorney. I learned a lot from him, and it helped me in all the, in, it, well, particularly in school and my goals for what I wanted to do as it professionally. However, 
in my marriage, I had unrealistic expectations of my husband. I think that came into play and, what, and, so and sort of looked at him as a father figure and wanting him to emulate my own father, and it didn't work. Now, that's pretty simple, but it did impact on our relationship not in a good way. Because, because you had higher expectations. Yeah. And, we, and I, I don't know that I was aware of it while, you know, the first 10 years of my marriage. And so that was a problem. So he's, here's, he's a kid. I mean, I remember going into therapy and the therapist saying, well, you, you're expecting, this is like after the first 10 years, you're expecting a 25, 35-year-old man to have the same experiences, to be able to do the same kinds of things for you that your 50, 60-year-old father did. And it's not going to work. It's, no, it's so interesting. That's an, so you know what's interesting to me about that is whether you have a lousy father or a great father, <laughs> there's still issues. <laughs> and that's my point, yeah. Because most of it's, well, and this is what uh, Dr. Rosenthal is going to talk about, the fact is, you know, these are unavailable fathers, and they're unavailable in different ways. She's going to get specific about that. But mine was so available, and yet it didn't work for me for other reasons. Now, in terms of my own self, I had good feelings of self-esteem, felt good about myself. I mean, that's the plus part, I think, of having a father who has unconditional love for you. But, uh, boy, there was a downside to it, too. Okay, what about your father? Oh, my father absolutely was not available. My father still, at age 44, I am. He's still not available emotionally for me. However, I've I really, really resented it as a kid. He he worked a ton. He was all about, you know, he just couldn't get out of his own head to be present for us as kids. However, I knew loved us very much. You know what I mean? But at the time of growing up, I remember resenting it and being so angry. I remember wishing someone else was my father. I remember, like, making up what other people would be like. And what's interesting, years later, and it was probably in the past 10 years, so after 30, I started to have a very different, even in the past five years um, since Sierra has been born, um, I've had a really different, almost accepting him for who he is. In other words, because I'm having, this is such an opposite of you, this is so interesting, seeing my husband like very similar and saying, you know what, my father did the best he could. I didn't realize it. But at the time, I totally resented it. All right, but tell me, what do you mean? Like your husband, okay, he's saying to you... Or you're looking at your husband? I'm looking at my, um, I'm outside looking in at my, watching the relationship between my daughter and her father that's so similar. You know, he works a ton, he's not able to be present when he's home. And I'm like, oh my God, it's exactly the same. And then I realize, you know what, I'm watching my husband, I know he's doing the best he possibly can. And then I had this major aha moment that my, my father did the best he could, even though I, at the time, as a child, resented it, as a teenager, really resented it. Okay, so with that kind of an insight, which I think is really cool, how can you help your own daughter to see that her father's doing the best he can so that she doesn't feel the same? You had the aha moment, but she exactly. did. So how do you help her to realize, okay, her father's doing the best he can, or even maybe help him to change a little bit? Because well, there's both of experience. those. I think there's both of those. Um, you know, both of those points, to have her know that he is doing the best he can and there's other things he could do to step up to the plate. So I think there's both. I don't think it's one or the other. I do think it's both. And I think how you do that is you say it. You know, if she gets, I mean, she's, she never criticizes him, which I think is amazing. You know, she's always, it's all about, you know, all about when's she going to see him next. And, you know, it's very innocent and sweet. And 
then she'll get, he'll come home and it will be five minutes of attention and then she'll be like, Mommy, will you play with me? <laughs> <laughs> That's what she's used to. Exactly. Exactly. So, you, you know, if said, it comes well, up, I always, I always no, say both of us. You just said something I think is really important because you just said that she never criticizes him. Is that because she feels she can't or she doesn't see him enough? I don't think she, she would even think to at four and a half. You know, there's never, there's not, she wouldn't think to. Well, you could say daddy won't play with me or daddy is too busy or... He doesn't ever say that. Doesn't oh, wouldn't it, you know, I forget, it. but would four and a half year olds say that? They, no, they I don't would. think so, but I would think at 10 she might, you know. Oh, at 10 she definitely will. So I think it's important for me not to feed into the criticism because I could easily go there. And that You're right, dad isn't with you. <laughs> what was that? Yeah, he should be home more often, and he should be playing with you and with me. And that just makes her image of him, you know, not healthy. But although there is something of, you know, what's not right, there's a great song, David Roth. Matter of fact, David Roth, singer-songwriter out in Cape Cod with you, he wrote this great song about when it was time for him to leave the house, his mother sat him down and said, your father's a great guy, but here's the things that weren't right about it, and don't duplicate that. And I thought that was such a healthy, but I love that. Yeah, I like that too. That you know, it's so complicated, and I think you brought up just by talking about your daughter. This stuff goes from generation to generation, unless you somehow deal with the the issues. In I agree with that. And you can't solve the whole thing, and you're not going to fix it for your daughter so that she's going to have this perfect relationship with her father. Can't do it. But I think the more open you are, I mean, you can kind of heal some of the wounds from generation to generation. The more conscious we become, but I do think it comes with age too, you know. Yeah, although you don't want to. Did you say you think it comes with age? I think that my ability to be more experiences, experiences, and also time and seeing how I'm handling things as a parent is influencing my perspective on my family, my parents. Yeah, I it it becomes so complicated. I mean, it becomes. But I do think, I mean. Um, now, see, my brothers, I'm a daughter, so I'm not a son, so I'm not going to emulate my father because I'm a woman, exactly right? right? That's right. But I think exactly my brothers right. have done that somewhat. They are similar to him, um, and they have daughters, all of them. I, I don't. That's another thing. That's another um, thing. And, I, and their daughters adore them and, and, and idolize them. Now, it plays out differently in each family, but and, uh, you know, I'm not here to judge, but my situation turned out different because I'm not a son and I, and I don't have daughters. So. That is interesting. Yeah, if I had a son, it would be very different, extremely different. Um, I think that traditionally they've always described the mother-daughter relationship as the most complicated, but I think now um, the relationship between fathers and daughters I think is just coming to the forefront. I don't think that that over the you know maybe in the generation maybe even in our generation was kind of delved into as much or thought that it was as important. And maybe that's because well, especially in my generation, women in the fifties they were responsible for the children, and that wasn't the father's responsibility. So it, that's changed. And now, if you're going to have fathers who are taking on the even more so, let's say. 
now, you're going to have fathers who are staying home and also taking on a mother role in, right. in many that, ways. In that sense, I do think it's changing. I think mine is a little more traditional. My current relationship is very traditional. But I think you're right. I think it is ever-changing when because of the women are um, out working and men are staying home, and there's a lot of shift in what's going on there. So that's going to change everything. It's going to change your expectation. of uh, Little girls are going to have different expectations of their fathers. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he should be a good cook. He should what was, be a good I'm sorry, what did you say? He should be a good cook, a good Girl <laughs> Scout leader, a good, all of those things. The whole thing is going to be turned around. It is true. I agree with that. It'll, it's totally, it will be complicated. And mom's role and her expectations of herself with mom being the breadwinner, you know, working out of the house and him staying home. So she's going to have expectations and really different expectations of herself and expectations of the, her partner. Now, have you found, okay, you're coaching entrepreneurs, women. Does this ever come into play when they're talking about their businesses and running their businesses and their relationship with their children or their daughters? Oh, definitely. All the time. All the time. I think it's important. It comes up all the time. In other words, their relationship with their kids. Um, I can think of endless situations where it comes up, endless. And it's interesting, you know, the Women are very much not wanting the business to um, be a success and not have good relationship with their kids. It's not okay. Very few people are like that. They're like, in spite of everything, I just want to create a successful business. Very few. So that's the difference maybe between men and women. We're going to take a break now. But I'm not so sure that men, when they start out in a business or they start out in their careers, are also maybe quite as aware of, well, how is this going to impact on my relationship with my kids? I want to get out there and I want to be successful. My wife will take care of the kids, but that's not. But women have kind of the dual goal, like you're saying. It's like I want to be successful, but I also want this great relationship with my kids. And I think that's different for women than for men. I agree with that. That usually those those two goals are not so close, neck and neck. You know. Yeah, very different. We're going to take a break. Lauren Beller Blake, my co-host. I'm Catherine Zox. Your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. And coming up next is Dr. Sarah Sims Rosenthal, author of The Available Father, Seven Ways Women Can Understand, Heal, and Cope with the Broken Father-Daughter Relationship. Very important. Don't go away, folks. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Money. We love it, we hate it, and everything in between. You can be the master of your life and your own economics. Join Professor Laurie Lamantia each week for the program, Making Peace with Money. Laurie will help you realize the power to create fulfillment in your life and shed new light on your money madness. You'll learn how to make peace with money and feel the joy and freedom renewed in your life. Making Peace with Money is broadcast live every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. You'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnists. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone with my co-host, Lauren Deller-Blake, and you're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. Joining us this morning is Dr. Sarah Sims Rosenthal. She's an author, a therapist, and private practice in New York City. And her new book is The Unavailable Father, Seven Ways Women Can Understand, Heal, and Cope with a Broken Father-Daughter Relationship. Welcome to the show, Dr. Rosenthal. Thank you. And I think briefly we've discussed with you that Lauren and I have given a brief history of our relationships with our fathers. Mine very different than what you talk about in the book, but Lauren's very similar to what you're talking about. So, um, unavailable fathers, who are, what does that mean, unavailable father? What are we talking about? Uh, unavailable emotionally, physically, or both? And, or both. You know, it can be either or, or both. I mean, you can have an unavailable father for many reasons. Um, he's unavailable because, A, he's not present due to whether it's work or divorce, uh, separation. Um, unavailable because he's a substance abuser, unavailable due to mental illness, unavailable because he's rejecting, disapproving. Um, so really it's a whole host of issues uh, as to why a father can be or is unavailable. So an unavailable father, and you've given us a lot of them, uh, reasons for a father to be unavailable. What's the impact on, on on the daughter? I mean, what? Why do we have to talk? You know, why is it important for us to discuss this now, particularly this time, and the impact that it has on, well, young women of this generation? Well, I think it has an impact for actually for all generations, but because I think a father has such a an incredibly useful and positive role that he can play in in his daughter's life to the good uh let me underscore sort of you know how how important he is because of the fact that 
he is the opposite gender. You know, girls and adolescents, they look to their dads for a certain kind of approval um, as they're growing up and forging their own identities. And they, ha- and they can play such an important role both in, um, in letting a girl know what her worth is, how valuable she is, how attractive both inside and out she is. Um, he serves as a role model for the men, for the boys, and then the men that she will choose in her life. So that relationship is seminal to her idea of what a man should be, of what um, a boyfriend should act like, a husband, uh, and, a, and, a, and even a father. Um, and also just in, term, and in terms of professions, how ambitious she is, how she feels that she can make it on her, make it in the world on her own, and what he imparts to his daughter will have will have really profound effects on all of these things. All right, so this is going to have an impact on his daughter's life, her family life, her work life, her career, profession, etc. But what happens to these? And, and you discuss this in the book. What happens to daughters who don't get that? as you're describing it, that unconditional love from their fathers, the feeling of security that, that a, a girl needs to become a, a successful uh, woman? Well, it can play out in many different ways. When you don't have uh, those things that I just described in a positive way, um, a lot of times a girl will replicate the relationship she's known so that if she's had a father that's disapproving and rejecting or intermittently so, she will choose the very same thing um, instead of choose. It's what she knows. It's what, she's, what she thinks, you know, she's come to expect. Or and what she's comfortable with. We're always comfortable with, we tend to be comfortable with what we know, even if it doesn't work for us, but we still know it. It's better exactly. than what we don't know. Exactly. It's, it's like... It's, we're, we fear that which we don't know. And also, change can be very, very scary. And also, we sometimes make these choices unconsciously. We may say we're going to pick somebody vastly different than our father who didn't do X, Y, and Z for us. But in fact, we wind up choosing the same thing. Yeah. And these are unconscious choices, even though you say to yourself, oh, I would ne- I'm, I'm going to find somebody so different. And then later on, when it, with hindsight, uh, women sort of look at it and say, oh, my God, I chose the very same thing. So, of course, and, the next question is going to be, how do you avoid that? I mean, if you say that it's unconscious, I mean, women who will say, you know, my father was maybe, maybe it's outright abusive, physical abuse, or just mental abuse, or all the, we're not going to describe them again, but, um, and then they end up picking the same person because it's an unconscious motivation. Well, how do you not do that? Well, hopefully there's a several ways, um, and sometimes it's unavoidable, at least, at least in the short term. I don't want to say it's not, uh, like for instance, someone, you know, I just in fact was speaking to yesterday about this very issue, um, She's now in her late 30s, and she did make some choices that now when she's looking at she's saying, I cannot believe I chose the very same thing. But now, having done it once or twice with some boyfriends and one husband, she now has a real awareness, and awareness is critical to what she's, and she's determined now, you know, not to repeat it because she realized that she was doing it, and she's sort of ready to really have something else. And I think that 
as an adolescent or a young adult, sometimes it's hard to have the awareness that you can come to in your 30s and your 40s. But hopefully, um, if you can have, let's say, the balance of um, not just, you know, hopefully a good mother, but maybe a brother or an uncle who can help, who helps open young girls or adolescents' eyes to something else, to what can be good. Even a teacher can be influential. Right. Give us an example of that, Dr. Rosenthal, because like in your book you talk about women from a wide range of economic, ethnic, educational, geographic backgrounds. It happens to all of us. Um, you can't just pinpoint one type or group of women. No, um, And you say that a mother can help mitigate the circumstance, you know, help do yes. something about it. Yes. So give us a practical example, you know, an example of a, a girl finding herself, a daughter, in a situation with an, a father who is not there, a mother who may be able to help, maybe an example from the book, uh, so that we have something, you know, put a face I, on it. Okay, I can give you, in terms of that specifically, um, my own story is a perfect example of that. I mean, I consider, the f- I, I feel like my mother saved my life. Um, if it wasn't for my mother and the love that she showed, I just think I would be a complete basket <laughs> um, as opposed to, you know, just partial <laughs> or having as worked through. As opposed to a successful author and therapist and Ph.D. We have but to... I will tell you, I came to that late. It w- I, was, I consider myself a late bloomer um, and also... Before choosing a husband, I married in my early 30s. Um, I had some of these relationships that I would consider quite detrimental. And I saw, in hindsight, I was looking for a replacement for my father from the age of 13 on. And in a way... Um, what was your it, father like? What was his... How was he not there? Um, well, how was, he was... He was sort of there, but in a very negative way for me. He was very rejecting of me, um, disapproving, withholding of love. Um, it was it didn't make me feel I was valued really in any way. Um, he was just he was disapproving. I think his idea of what girls should be was just the antithesis of what I was. He saw. I think he thought girls should be sort of submissive and quiet and in their places. Um, he once said in front of me, I'm a brunette with brown hair, and he once said to my mother, and I was, I was sitting right there, I was in the kitchen, I could never forget it, oh, he said to my mom, oh, we should have had one more daughter, she would have had blonde hair and blue eyes and uh, it was astonishing. It was like, And did you say anything? Or did you, did in the you moment, tell your mother? No. no? No, in the moment, no. Which is, uh, I, you know, I was. St- it's the kind of thing that sometimes, you know, when you get hit with something so sharply, you're almost you're shocked into. I mean, I'm not. I am certainly not. I have a voice, but you lose your voice in that moment. Yeah, you become it's paralyzed. So shocking that you can't even speak. Yeah, I have to. Did you, Doctor Rosenthal? Did you have brothers or other? Were you the only girl in the family, or were there I any was, other siblings? I was the only girl with two brothers who had, as I have come to see with many siblings, who had, my two brothers had vastly different relationships with my father than I did. Um, theirs, they saw him in a much different way. They continue to see him. Both my parents are now, um, are gone. 
but um, they continued to see him in a much different light because they had a very different relationship with him. My father had issues with girls, with women um, that were played out in his own life in very in, in different ways, and so um, they experienced him in a very very different way than I did. Yeah, I, I had similar experiences. I mean, I described my father to you as very there, very emotionally there. His expectations for me, though, as a daughter, because as I'm listening to you, I had two brothers as well, was very different. Girls were supposed to be well-educated, but not necessarily be successful at a career. There was a limit to how far they needed to go. Mm-hmm. And boys, he had a different expectations. For my brothers, I'm not so sure that I... You know, that was kind of a generational thing, not necessarily, it was uh, unique, I mean, unique to him, but in some ways not unique to him. I mean, it was kind of that 50s mentality. Right, right, right. So do we blame them still? Or no, I, I don't even, I hate that word, too. I, I mean, blame is so, you know, it, it, you. there's a difference between blame and explanation, Um you know, and then eventually we all need to take responsibility for our own lives anyway. But blame just sounds so accusatory. And I and and while there is, you can apportion some blame. I'd rather say to people, I like them. You know, to look at the effects of somebody in their life, to look at, and then to even try to explain it. Sometimes. Um, and we're going to what? take a break now because we do want to explain it, and you do do that in the book because you really have seven, I think, seven specific ways that one can recover from a relationship where there is an unavailable father. You're listening to Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and my co-host, Lauren Deller-Blake, and we're talking to Dr. Sarah Sims-Rosenthal, author of The Unavailable Father. Don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, this is Dr. Vijaya Nair. Together with my dear friend, Dr. Howard Piper, we are hosting our own show called Kiss Your Life Hello. We are two internationally recognized experts, researchers, authors, and health advocates in holistic medicine and counseling. We promise you a fantastic show with interesting guest experts to educate and entertain you with the latest information on mind, body, and spirit wellness. Join us on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific and 10 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. See you there. If your pets could talk, they'd tell you to tune in to Pet Shop Talk. Join internationally recognized animal massage therapist Lola Jean Michelin every week for a show that covers everything from nutrition, health care, and training for your pet or animal. Lola and her guest experts will bring you the latest trends in the pet care industry. And even if you're not a pet owner, you'll find out why pets do the crazy things they do. Tune in each Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. 
Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, and I am your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com, World Talk Radio, with my co-host, Lauren Beller-Blake, and our guest, Dr. Sarah Sims-Rosenthal, a therapist in private practice in New York City, and also the author of The Unavailable Father, Seven Ways Women Can Understand, Heal, and Cope with a Broken Father-Daughter Relationship. So we've been talking about The Unavailable Father, and Dr. Rosenthal, you one of the things that you talk about is the drama of The Unavailable Father. What is that? What does that mean? It means that... Um... All of these different scenarios and these different archetypes of these different fathers who are unavailable for all these different reasons creates a lot of drama so that um, if things aren't on an even keel. You don't know necessarily what to expect. There, it, it goes from high to low to high to low. It's good, it's bad, it's good, it's bad, it's intermittent. And what that creates, I even think it creates, it, it sets up a pattern even in, in, in your brain that's ex, that. It's ex- you're expecting these vastly different emotional states, and that sets up um, an expectation of relationships that will be full of drama. And in fact, something that is just then like a normal relationship with sort of a normal person that you can rely on and that's fairly steady doesn't feel right. It feels boring, and it can be, and you can pass a relationship by because you think, oh, he's so boring, um, because it's not what you're used to and it doesn't feel right. And in fact, it really requires an effort on the part of oneself to recognize this, that, you know what, I'm used to such drama. I'm, I'm so used to that. That's what feels right, but that's not necessarily what is right in a sustained, healthy relationship. And that's why a lot of women, many women, I mean, no, I'm making a big generalization, but they'll say, you know, he's too, I've heard women say, dating somebody, he's too reliable, like you said, he's too boring, he's not exciting enough. Right. Um, and they kind of are looking for that, and I'm going to use the word chaos even, mm-hmm. you know, that chaos, oh, yes. the adrenaline going, you feel, wow, this guy is really exciting. Right. Right, and I'm not saying. I mean, let's just make a distinction between like a total milk toast yeah. guy who's yeah. really, who really, really, really is boring. We're not looking for Mr. Milk Toast, right? <laughs> but you know, but something, but somebody who is, you know, not Mr. Milk Toast, but a nice, good guy. But it feels it, it doesn't feel right because it's not stimulating in terms in a negative way, if you know what I mean. And it takes. And I, and in some cases, it does take um, maybe a therapist or an, you know, an outsider to help help a, a woman work through this to realize that you know what, a stable, fairly predictable relationship is a positive thing. It's a growth. It's a growth thing 
not negative, um, and it's something that does take some getting used to to say, oh, this is what a relationship is supposed to be like, not what I'm used to, but something I aspire to and may not feel comfortable at first, but take some adjusting to, to and, and mentally and physically. Now, especially with with women now and relationships, and actually women getting couples getting married later in their early thirties and or at least late twenties, but right. that our just our whole society kind of promotes that you want to have do exciting things it has to be fun it has to be on the edge or it has to be edgy so in your 20s you're dating those kinds of guys and it seems good how do you make the transition from okay now i'm looking for somebody very different or do you need to like you said go see a therapist before you get married and kind of you know switch gears well i don't want to say that you know everybody should go see a therapist but i think but i do think i have to say well being a therapist myself um that if you've really had um, an unavailable father that's really been damaging, you know, a therapist can, can be very helpful as an outside person to help work through some of these issues, especially if by your late 20s you look at maybe, you know, a boyfriend, two boyfriends, or three boyfriends, and you say to yourself, and you can look at it and you say, hmm, maybe I'm not picking the best guys for various reasons. Uh, maybe I need to take a look at this and and make sure I don't kick this as my partner for life. And I think also just in ter- biologically, by the time you're in your late 20s, you start to make some shifts. I mean, you know, you, you, m- most people want to have children, um, so you're picking a prospective father as well as just like the fun, you know, your fun 20s. You know, when you start to enter your 30s, you may be looking for something different. And so biologically and in terms of maturity, um, we're moving into a different phase. So one of the things you're saying is, I think even if you don't get into therapy or you don't see a counselor, at least look for patterns. Perhaps women can look for patterns in their relationships with their partners, and if they haven't you know, if they seem to be emulating the unavailable father with the unavailable boyfriends that look for patterns in your behavior before you yes. actually make the choice yes. to get married? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And we can all, and, and, and it, you know, at, at 17, you're a little young to do that. But at 27 or 28, you're not. And so anybody who's listening or who reads the book, um, that's an important piece to start looking at patterns, you know, yourself or yourself or with a friend. I mean, talking to a friend, to a good friend who can listen to you and hear you um, and you know that is trustworthy and share the information with somebody else. So not, it doesn't have to be a therapist, but um, somebody that you trust and, uh, and you know who has your best interests at heart. Yeah, and I think that's, at least for women, I think that I find is one of our strengths, that we do tend to have at least one person or one woman, friend or sister or whomever, that we do tend to talk to. I mean, which I think sometimes men don't, but that is a strength. So we do have those oh, relationships absolutely. available. Uh, yeah, do you, I, I definitely think that's true. Okay, you talk about in the book, I just want to kind of get into this a little bit, and also, listeners, you can go to theunavailablefather.com, theunavailablefather.com, uh, to learn more about Dr. Rosenthal and your work and your book, et cetera. But, okay, what are the seven steps to recovery that you talk about? Um, well, I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to outline each one, <laughs> but one of them is to look at, is talking about the patterns that we've set up. Um, another thing is to go back and maybe, and I think this is, is very important, if you can, if your father is still alive, is to empower yourself 
by going back and maybe having a conversation with him about what he did or how he treated you. Um, and now you're going back as an adult, so you're shifting the power in the relationship. In other words, when you're a child, when we're all children, what we have happened to us, we're, we're, we're dependent. We're, we're totally reliant and dependent on our parents. And so we, we cannot do what we can do as adults. So as an adult, we can, first of all, maybe have a conversation with, a, with your father, not in a confrontational way, not in an angry way where you're going to get him defensive, but in a way that's open and communicative and try to elicit from him, to talk about his own life. Does he realize, you know, how he treated how he treated you? Does he realize what he did? And and then try to find out why and look at his own background. And sometimes gaining some clarity and understanding about why he did what he did can help uh, attenuate the pain. So it doesn't feel as intense. It brings a little uh, understanding and shed a little light on it. And then also, but if what you happens, feel... What happens if he resists? What happens if he refuses? Well, not first, what happens if he refuses to talk to you? Uh, how painful is that? Number two, let's say he does acknowledge it and will talk to you, but then just, you know, continues the denial or it's a really dissatisfying it, it, it might be, but but here's the thing: it's not about it in the end. It, and he may do that, but still, you then the, you as a daughter, as a woman now, have done your best to at least try to elicit that. You have so, no matter what, you're changing the paradigm because now you're standing up for yourself, asking for something. He may in be, he may still be in denial. He may not be able to give you the information you want, but you've done your best and your part to try to go there. And and then secondarily to that, um, I think that you can, as an adult, a woman can now define the relationship more on her own terms. In other words, if you're waiting for his call when he calls you, or you're used to seeing him a certain amount, a woman can now define for herself, you know something, my father, I find my father to be just too toxic in my life. I don't want to see him all the time. I don't want to speak to him all the time. You can say, you know what, I'm, I will call you on Sunday night at 7, or I don't want to speak to my father. I feel that I can only do this in a limited way because every time I speak to him, I'm reduced to tears or I am infantilized or it brings me back to an earlier place. I, I think then that a woman can then help define the parameters of a relationship that she wants or doesn't want with her father as an adult. So she, when you go back as an adult, then you're setting your own limits because you can do that. Also, I think as I'm listening to you, is you have that kind of, I don't know if we're using the word confrontation or discussion with your father, coming back and talking to him as an adult, mm-hmm. even if he is in denial or even if he doesn't give you what you want, you're assessing his behavior as an adult. You're in a much more powerful situation, right. as you say. So you can react to it as an adult, not as a child. You don't have to be reduced to tears. You just set your own limits and decide what your what you as the woman, the daughter, is going to do about the relationship it makes it very different. No matter what he says or does or doesn't, exactly, do. exactly, and that and 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 helping to define the relationship and the boundaries and the limits makes you feel makes the woman, you know, adult the the, the child, you know, the child that's trying to feel not like the. Uh, the the powerless child anymore, but to feel more like the adult, 
it does help to feel more grown up and more empowered when now you're having a say in the relationship, in what Dr. that relationship Rochelle, will look like. One last question, because it's the next generation. What do you do if you've married the guy who's like your father, still in the relationship, and you have a daughter? Anything you can do to help your daughter? To, you, because you've already perhaps done that. Her father is somebody who's unavailable. Can you do something? Um, okay, so you, you mean the, it, it, someone's in a marriage, and the da- you see a daughter of... Of the father, I've had a bad relationship. My father has been unavailable. I end up okay. marrying somebody who's unavailable. And you're still married, and how you can help your daughter? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes. As the mom, I think it's your job, really. Um, as the mom, to, to when your daughter—I mean, obviously not when she's when she's uh, too young—and I don't want to put, necessarily put a uh, a label on what age it should be. But, I mean, you, a mother cannot totally compensate for the loss of a father. I mean, because uh, the dad is different. It's, it's, it's the opposite sex, different gender. He can provide different things. But I think it's very useful for, for the mother to have the conversation with the daughter to say, you know what, here's what happened to me. Here's, here's your father. And, and, and not to lie about it. Let's just say, let's say on some level he does love her, the daughter, but the expression is really not very satisfactory um you can say listen your dad loves you but he's really limited in what he can do and how he can show it and i want to explain to you you know i married him because in a way i married my own father because that's what i knew and that's all i knew so he's limited but maybe you know, maybe there's a, a, a grandfather, maybe there's an uncle, maybe there's another male figure that you want to have step up to the plate a little bit more in your daughter's life if he's available to show her what, you know, what a good male role model is. Um, or if there's, you know, a sibling, hopefully that a mom can direct, um, you know, can help a, a male sibling um, and show him what what a good role model in a male should look like and help him to develop that part of himself if his father's not. And then you hope that the sibling relationship will compensate slightly for that. But I think you have to be honest with your daughter without revealing everything, obviously, but to say, to point out the deficits um, while still saying it's okay to love him or to not love him or have mixed feelings because all, all, frequently it's a lot of buried feelings that are going to come out of it. It's not going to be, you, you know, just um, unidimensional feelings. Yeah, it's a delicate balance because you don't want to, or I, I wouldn't, one doesn't want to alienate no. your daughter from her father, but yet, That's as right. you say, you want to be right honest about the relationship, and you can be creative, I hear you. You can be creative about it. You can bring other male positive relationships into the family dynamics, so it doesn't have to continue from generation to generation. But first thing, listeners can read your book. Start out with that, The Unavailable Father, Seven Ways Women Can Understand, Heal, and Cope with a Broken Father, with a Broken Father-Daughter Relationship. Dr. Sarah Sims Rosenthal, Thanks so much for being on the show today. You were great and really oh, it was like it was my pleasure. Yeah, great. Thank you so much. Thanks. We are going to take a short break. Lauren Beller Blake, Catherine Zox, VoiceAmericaVariety.com. You're listening to N World Talk Radio. Don't go away. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! 
If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Best Boomer Towns delivers the inside scoop on the best 21 places to relocate or retire in the U.S. Listen to columnists, town bloggers, and local residents as we highlight a town each week. Talk show host Nancy Shaka brings you the best and the brightest. As a baby boomer, you experienced Beatlemania, Woodstock, Vietnam, and the women's movement. Today, you're educated, health-minded, and thinking about where to spend your future. Tune in at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, to Best Boomer Towns every Thursday on the Voice America Variety Channel and start planning the best rest of your life. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your team. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, Lauren Beller-Blake, my co-host, and you're listening to us on VoiceAmericaVariety.com, World Talk Radio. And this past hour, we've been talking to Dr. Sarah Sims Rosenthal. She is author of The Unavailable Father, Seven Ways Women Can Understand, Heal, and Cope with a Broken Father-Daughter Relationship. And if you've been listening to the show, want more information, well, you can buy the book online, bookstores everywhere. But her website also uh, has a lot of interesting questions and and uh, more information about this topic. And the website is theunavailablefather.com. I don't know. Lauren, have you gone to the website while we were? I have not. Yeah. She's got a lot of uh, interesting stuff, you know, questions that she answers and I, obviously I tons. I yeah. it down for sure. It's going to be in my notebook. I'll get yeah. there. I just, you know, you can't do it all. I was trying to focus on her her tips. And yeah, her, thoughts. <laughs> right. And she's got lots of them. And in the book, she really gets very specific in terms of, like, if you are in a really uh, unavailable, not really, in an unavailable relationship, um, there are, she has specific ways, set seven steps to recovery. But, you know, it also depends on, and we didn't get a chance to ask her that, but how, um, you know, you can talk about an unavailable father. He can be mentally ill. He could be in jail. He could be physically abusive. This there's degrees of it as well. I, yeah, and I do think that, you know, we, a couple of weeks ago we had John Gray on, and he was talking about how, you know, we need to be better at, women need to be better at asking, and the, the hormone issue, I mean, there's so much at play here. This is so interesting to me. Like, their two topics are, um, in some ways, they could really go well together. Yeah, and I think that she brought that up at the end, talking to your father. You know, yeah. even if it's, it can be five minutes, it could be a half an hour, and maybe... Sometimes, depending on your father, if you've had a, a, an unavailable father, uh, you can 
things change in his life as well. You know, change is constant. So he's not the same person that he was when you were growing up. Exactly. He's got 20 years on him or 30 years as well as, as you do uh, as the daughter. And so he's going to have a different perspective just no matter what, just by the fact of living longer and having more experiences. So uh, there's a lot that changes. But I think that whole issue of just being able to talk about it, whether it's with your father, um, whether it's five minutes or 50 minutes or whether you go away for a father-daughter weekend together. Yeah, I think it's so important. It was, I was think, listening to her, and I think it's so important as a mom. I'm always trying to balance, you know, what to say or how much to say, um, even to my four-and-a-half-year-old. You know, when, you know, where's daddy? You know, when's he going to be home? What's he doing? And, you know, there's... Um, there's that fine line of balance, and a friend of mine said it beautifully. She said, "All I know is that he's not part of me. He's not part of me, but he is. Like he helped create these kids. But in other words, we see them as separate. They're they're our spouse, not our father, or not our child." And she said, "What I always want to do is remember never to speak negatively of their father." And I thought, "Oh my God, that's beautiful. It's really important because I, a lot of many women." get their relationship confused. And, yes, they're speaking as a spouse and talking to their daughters as, as if their father, you know, they're not, they are the daughters. They are not on the same. Um, they're part of who they are. They're not always part of who we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't, they're not on the same plane, you know, husband, wife, or, dare, you know, the Very children different. are below, uh, you yeah. know, in the, 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 the parents, and you want to maintain that. And if you're all, I think there are some women who try to sabotage the child's relationship with the father because it puts them in a position of power, mom. Right, right. You know, I'm the powerful one. You know, dad's the bad guy, and I'm the good person. And, you know, so uh, it, it empowers, it can empower the, the mother, or she feels empowered when she does that. And that's really, that's, that's, that's not the way to do it. Yeah, it's very damaging. But it's tough. I think it's tougher when they're younger. Well, when they're younger, it's interesting to know, like, the fine line of how to talk about it so that it's not, you don't want to be negative. But there, my daughter feels, I feel like there's a, um, there's, she's inquiring with very adult or mature, not adult, it's not the right word, mature questions. So to answer with mature answers versus, you know, a little kid answer. So interesting. I'm always balancing that. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's a huge challenge. But that, that you described, your husband is kind of not, he's unavailable because he really is just physical because he's working hard. I mean, he, that's why he's unavailable. Yeah, and then he'll come home and he'll sleep a ton because he's catching up from, you know, 16, 18-hour days, you know. So that's a different kind of unavailability in a way. I mean, it is a different kind than the father who is an alcoholic or who, you know, has a drug problem, or even I mean, somebody yeah. who's mentally ill and can't help it. Or in jail, or, you know. Or in jail. Yeah, but I guess the bottom line is they're still not there. Yeah, you know, kids, that's right. You know, and a kid so doesn't care. The kid doesn't care whether their father is mentally ill or he's making, a, you know, $300,000 a year. Exactly. To, the, to, exactly. the, to your daughter, you're just not there. You're not there to go to my activities with me. You're not there to share in my, you know, exactly. when I come home from school. I don't care where you are. Exactly. And that's, I guess, the bottom line to the kid is that there's, at some point, there's a judgment about it and how do we as parents or mothers 
respond to that unavail that lack of about availability. Because so again, there's challenge. that fine balance of not making it wrong, um, and not also making it okay. You know, but to no, daddy's doing. I, my response is that daddy's doing the best he can. And is that what you keep saying, Daddy? That's what I say. You know, when she asks certain things, you know, well, she'll get mad at him about something. Well, Daddy's doing the best he can. Or, you know, maybe there's another way you can ask and you can maybe he'll understand what you're looking for. I try That's not to a good bail response. her out. I like you know? that one. I lo- we'll end on that one because we've got about 30 seconds to go. And just remember, you have to leave the ground to learn to fly. <laughs> Isn't that what it's all about? Absolutely. Lauren Della Blake, Catherine Zox, you're listening to... The Catherine Zox Show on VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. Hope you had a great day and we'll see you next week. We hope you have enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.